Welcome to the Robert J. Morgan Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you believe and cherish the Bible and to learn and love Christian history and hymnody. I'm your producer, Joshua Rowe, introducing your host, Robert J. Morgan. Recently, Rob completed a teaching series entitled Save, Sing, and Share the Hymns. This course will teach you how the book of Psalms was arranged and motivate you to create a personal hymn book inside your mind. You'll also journey alongside a young music minister as Rob guides him through 60 classic hymns we should never lose. This unique course includes a downloadable guide to the book of Psalms, live music samples of select hymns, and a bonus interview with worship professor Vernon Whaley. For a limited time, we're offering this nine-session online course at a 50% discount. Visit robertjmorgan.com and click on the Courses link to find and enroll in this self-paced study using any computer or mobile device. And now here's your host, Robert J. Morgan. Hello, wherever you are. This is Robert J. Morgan, and we have been working together through the Book of Acts in my series of podcasts. I told you some time ago that since I'm no longer senior pastor of a church, I don't have the opportunity of uh, preaching to the same group every single week, so I'm able now to replicate that experience and the study that goes into it with this podcast, and we've been going through the Book of Acts. We've come to a stopping place. Uh, we're getting ready Uh, when we resume, to look at the first missionary journey of the Apostle Paul. I'm uh, studying ahead for that, and I have just been amazed at how much I didn't know, how interesting it is, and how many lessons there are there for us. But uh, we're going to take a break for a few weeks, because I want to deal with the subject of the promises of God in conjunction with the release of my new book, God Works All Things Together for Your Good. This is a book that uh, came out of a sermon series that I preached a number of years ago on the climactic verse of the Bible, uh, the Bible's uh, consummating promise, which is Romans 8, 28, uh, the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 28. And that verse says, we know that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and to those who are called according to his purpose. And I say that this is the climactic promise of the Bible because of where it comes. It is integrated into the argument, the ongoing discussion of justification uh, that the Apostle Paul gives to us in the book of Romans, chapters 1 through 8. The first eight chapters of Romans represent the spinning core of the theology of the Bible. This is where the Apostle Paul lays out an argument that he wants to put into writing, which is that we can never be justified or made right in God's sight or be saved or forgiven or have eternal life on the basis of anything that we could do ourselves or on the basis of trying to perfectly fulfill the requirements of the Old Testament law, which would, in essence, make us perfect people. We all fail at that. And so God has provided another way for us to be declared righteous, and that is through the death and resurrection of the one only truly righteous person in history, who is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he lays out what that means to us from chapter to chapter, from Romans chapter 1 through verse 8, and then he gets to the climactic Uh, part of chapter 8, and he gives us this promise which seems to summarize 
all of the other promises that are connected with justification, what God has done through Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit, and as a result of the redemption of Christ, not only are we saved, but everything that relates to us and to our lives is going to be redeemed. It will all work out eventually and ultimately for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So I preached a series of sermons on that verse, and it became a book uh, years ago called The Promise, which was published by B&H Publishers, and then it went out of print. Uh, and I tried several times to have that book revised or brought back into print or um, maybe ancillary products uh, from it, but there was no response from the publisher. So recently we decided that we would take the contents and revise them and publish this book ourselves. And it is my first self-published book. The title is God Works All Things Together for Your Good. We uh, have a video uh, series that goes along with this of curriculum and, and additional teaching. We also have a free downloadable study guide for the book. And so I want to use the occasion of the release of this book to talk about the nature of God's promises. I don't want to rehash what's in the book because that's already there. You can read that and you can get this book and the video series and the study guide uh, just by going to my website, Robert J. Morgan. Dot com, and it's already uh, priced, I think, at a very low price point. But by using the coupon code Romans828, you can get another 10% off either the book or the video series, or soon we'll actually have the study guide printed and available. So the coupon code Romans828 will provide an additional discount to this book, God Works All Things Together for Your Good. Now, every part of the Bible is precious to me, but there is something very precious about the biblical promises that gives us incredible comfort. These are the verses in which God reassures us that he will act and work and move on our behalf and for our good. He tells us what he is going to do. Not every verse in the Bible is a promise, even though promises come in many different forms. But this greatest of all promises, Romans 8, 28, is one of many promises, hundreds of promises. I think I could say thousands of promises that actually are found in the Bible. In my book, this book, God Works All Things Together for Your Good, I wrote, the truth of Romans 8.28 can change the way you think. It can provide a corresponding shift in your moods and emotions and outlook. It can in time actually transform your personality and alter the circumstances of your life. It can turn troubled souls into people of confidence and good cheer. It's the secret of resiliency and of irrepressible joy. It's a promise with your name on it. It meets the challenges you're facing right now. It is God's guarantee. Well, I truly believe that because I've experienced it in my own life. But that's not only true for this one promise. That is true for many of the other promises in the Bible as well. We need to learn to be promise seekers people who will ferret out and find the very promises that God wants us to have. And what I want to do in this series of podcasts is to look 
at the nature of the promises of God by looking at some of the major passages in the Bible that describe them and that describe why and how God has made promises to us and why and how we can claim and appropriate them by faith. So I want to begin with Psalm 106, Psalm 106. And if you're where you can sit down with your Bible and open it and study along with me, then that would be helpful uh, if you're uh, doing the walking, you know, that you need to do in the green way uh, or jogging uh, or getting your exercise, then, then you can follow along as I read this to you. But in this Psalm 106, we can learn how the biblical promises of God actually serve to gauge our emotional health. God's promises, when you find them and you hold them up, will do an appraisal of your heart and tell you just how you are doing emotionally. Now, I'd never thought about that before, but this lesson came to me kind of as a shock as I studied Psalm 106. And I want to show you what I found. Now, this is a rather long psalm. It has 48 verses. I'm not going to read them all, but it recounts the story of the children of Israel and their exodus from Egypt and their unfaithfulness during their desert wanderings. It's like the books of Exodus and Numbers, uh, which tell that story, only the psalmist here puts it into poetry and into song. And, uh, and so this psalm rehearses uh, as a hymn, as a psalm, that story of the Israelites making their way through the wilderness. And it ends by calling us to faithfulness and to thanksgiving and to praise and warns us not to follow some of the negative patterns that the Israelites displayed. Now, what I want to do is to read the first half of this psalm because there are two very interesting parallel phrases that teach us a very rich lesson and when I saw these, I thought, I've got to devote a podcast to this. It really impacted me. I'm still pondering uh, what I've discovered here. Um, and it begins, Psalm 106 begins with the word hallelujah, which is really a rare word in the Bible. Um, it's, in my Bible, it's in the margin, but, um, but it's the um, literal transliteration of the Hebrew, hallelujah. Jah or Jehovah or Yahweh. Praise the Lord. So this begins on a very high note of praise. And verses 1 and 2 just is a wonderful doxology of praise. Praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Who can proclaim the mighty acts of the Lord or fully declare his praise? And the answer to that rhetorical question is nobody. I mean, his mighty acts and his praise is so great, none of us can fully understand it or fully proclaim it, but we can praise him and realize that he is good and his love endures forever. So after verse 1 and 2 comes verse 3, which is a blessing or a beatitude. It says, blessed are those who act justly, who always do what is right. Well, then there comes a prayer. Because the psalmist here recognizes that he does not always do what is right. So he says, remember me, Lord, when you show favor to your people. Come to my aid when you save them, that, that, that I may enjoy the prosperity of your chosen ones, that I may share in the joy of your nation and join your inheritance in giving praise. 
we have sinned. He goes right on to confess not only his sin, but the sin of those who are around him and who came before him. He said, we have sinned even as our ancestors did. We have done wrong and acted wickedly. And now he's going to go right to the story of the Exodus. He says, when our ancestors were in Egypt, they gave no thought to your miracles. They did not remember your many kindnesses, and they rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. And yet he saved them for his name's sake to make his mighty power known. He rebuked the Red Sea, and it dried up, and he led them through the depths as though through a desert. He saved them from the hand of the foe, from the hand of the enemy, referring to, again, this is a poetical version of how God saved the Israelites at the Red Sea from the armies of Egypt and from Pharaoh. From the hand of the enemy, he redeemed them. And then the waters covered their adversaries. Not one of them, the enemy forces, survived. So here they were. They were grumbling. They were frightened by the Red Sea. But God parted the waters and he delivered them and he destroyed their enemies. And look at verse 12. This is the key verse. Psalm 106, verse 12. Then they believed his promises and sang his praise. Now, what does that tell us about the nature of God's promises? Then they believed his promises and sang his praise. Well, when Israel was in a good place and the faith of the people had been strengthened by the miracles of God and they were free and they were delivered, they were very healthy emotionally. They were full of exuberance. The promises of God served as a gauge and the needle was very high. Their tanks were full. Their emotions were positive. They believed in his promises and they sang his praise. Now, that's a phrase that I've underlined in my Bible. Uh, if we believe God's promises, we will sing his praise. One of the ways of recognizing whether or not you are healthy spiritually and emotionally and psychologically and mentally is are you singing God's praise? If so, it's because you are believing his promises. It's a one-sentence description there of a healthy spiritual life. Well, I want to come back to that in a moment. But as we all know, if we have read the book of Exodus or maybe watched the old movie, The Ten Commandments, which came out when I was a child, the Israelites quickly fell away. They backslid. They tumbled into sin. And so the writer here is going to describe that. Verse 13, the next verse says, But they soon forgot what he had done and did not wait for his plan to unfold. They did not wait for his plan to unfold. We have to wait for God's plans to unfold. What a phrase that is. They don't always unfold all at once. Verse 14, in the desert, they gave into their cravings. In the wilderness, they put God to the test. So he gave them what they asked for, but sent a wasting disease among them. In the camp, they grew envious of Moses and of Aaron, who was consecrated to the Lord. The earth opened up and swallowed Dathan. It buried the company of Abiram. This is referring to those who rebelled against Moses, and they were so hardened in their rebellion that the Lord allowed the earth to open up and swallow them. Verse 18, fire blazed among their followers, a flame consumed the wicked. 
At Horeb, or at Mount Sinai, they made a calf and worshipped an idol cast from metal. They exchanged their glorious God for an image of a bull which eats grass. They forgot the God who saved them, who had done great things in Egypt, miracles in the land of Ham, and awesome deeds by the Red Sea. So he said that he would destroy them, had not Moses, his chosen one, stood in the breach before him to keep his wrath from destroying them. Then they despised the pleasant land. Now, here is the phrase that I want you to really see next, and if you have your Bible open, underline it. It's in the last part of verse 24 and the first part of verse 25. They did not believe his promise. They grumbled in their tents and did not obey the Lord. They did not believe his promise. They grumbled in their tents. The promises of God, again, served as an evaluation of their internal health and happiness, and this time the people failed. This is an apt description for an unhealthy spiritual life. When we doubt God's promises, when we don't believe them, we don't find them, we don't search them out, we don't claim them, we don't stand on them, then we're left grumbling and muttering and sputtering in our tents. Now, this tremendous contrast of these two phrases is only 12 verses apart, and I've underlined both verses, and in my Bible I've drawn a line between them. So look at these again. Verse 12, they believed his promise and sang his praises. Verse 24, they did not believe his promise, they grumbled in their tents. Now, here is the real question. Which of those two verses are you living in? Which describes the condition of your heart? When we believe his promises, we sing his praises. When we don't, we grumble in our tents. In other words, the status of your heart is determined by how you respond to the specific portion of God's word, which is delineated as promises. Our response to God's promises will bring us praise or pouting. Our mood in life is directly connected to our relationship with the promises of God at any one moment of time. So there are two ways, I think, of finding the promises of God. The first is to read through the Bible every single day and have your daily devotions and your Bible reading picking up where you left off the day before. Because as you do that day by day, you are finding God's promises. Typically, I have a wide study Bible, a wide margin study Bible with a mechanical pencil, and I make notes, and sometimes it's very appropriate. Um, this morning I woke up and I was very frustrated that I'd overslept and hadn't gotten up earlier and was starting off the day um, sort of groggy. And so I came to Proverbs chapter 6 and my reading through, through Proverbs into the verse that said, How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When you get up from your sleep, you'll find a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you as a thief. Now, that's really... A promise. I mean, it's a, a promise in the form of a warning that if you just sleep too much all the time, then you're not going to be as successful in life. That's a promise in the form of a warning. I, just as I read that and felt guilty, a beautiful red cardinal flew down and perched on the branch right outside my window and started singing, cheer, cheer, cheer. 
And it felt as though the Lord had given me a quick warning and then sent, sent me a word of encouragement. Uh, it's just amazing how God's Word interacts with us day by day and how those promises, we discover them morning by morning. So we find God's promises through our regular daily Bible reading, but we also find them by searching for them on special occasions in the Scripture. And maybe like you, I've had many moments when something went terribly wrong in some area of my life. I faced a crisis or bad news or a bad disappointment, and I just had to sit down at my desk and say, Lord, show me where to look in your word. I need a promise from you. And I would just thumb through and search the Bible and read the Psalms or read some passage of Scripture, and there I would find a promise. And I'd put you know, I'd underline it. Many times I'd memorize it. So we find the promises, I think, best by our daily Bible study. But sometimes in real emergencies, we can search them out or God may send them to us unexpectedly and we can claim them. But here's the key, that when we believe God's promises, we'll sing his praises. When we don't believe his promises, we will grumble in our tents. Psalm 106 verse 12, and verse 24. So look it up, memorize it, and remember this lesson. They believed his promises and sang his praises. They did not believe his promises. They grumbled in their tents. And we're doing one or the other of those every single day. Well, again, the greatest of all of the promises is this Romans 8, 28, and my book, God Works All Things Together for Your Good, is now available at my website, robertjmorgan.com, along with a video curriculum that will go along with it for personal or group use. And by using the phrase Romans 828 as a coupon code, there will be an additional discount. And there is a downloadable study guide, and soon we will have study guides also in print. And while you're there, check out my other resources. Next week, I want to continue on and tell you another passage of Scripture that gives us some incredible information about the nature of God's promises and what happens to us as we discover them. Thank you for joining me today. This podcast is produced by Clearly Media. And until next time, this is Robert J. Morgan. May the Lord bless you and may he be with you until we meet again.